about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. tonight go to first corinthians chapter six first corinthians chapter six father i thank you for once again your word tonight father you said as the word gets in our soul in our heart in our mind into our consciousness that it would produce fruit in our lives father and we are going to be the generation who walks in divine health we are going to be the generation that heals the sick casts out devils and father we thank you now for opening our eyes to how to walk in the kingdom of god as jesus did to walk in victory in every single area of our life father we thank you for revelation tonight we thank you for understanding beyond our our understanding, and we thank you that what we hear tonight we will do, and we will get the results of it in Jesus' name, and everybody agreed, said, Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, remember last week we found out that sin and the sickness and the curse entered into the world because of one man, and that one man was Adam, who basically disobeyed or rebelled against the kingdom of God, and when he did that, the curse came in. God is not in the cursing business, God does not curse people, God is in the blessing business, basically, and basically he gave the old Israelite people an opportunity to live free of sickness and disease simply by obeying what he told them to do. So tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? Notice here it tells you your physical body is basically a house or a temple of the Holy Ghost. God bought you back after Adam sinned. He bought your body back. He purchased you. You are now God's property. Notice what did he buy? He bought your body and he bought your spirit. Now, why did he do that? If you remember, he created mankind to come into the earth realm and have dominion and rule and reign here. When Adam fell, basically man lost that dominion and came under the curse. Jesus came to restore back to mankind the position that he was in before Adam sinned and failed. So he returned man back, and to do that, he had to buy your body and your spirit. Now, notice, you were bought with a price. Say, a price. Notice, your body and spirit were not bought with prices. They were bought with one price for your body and the same price for your spirit. So that means at the same time God purchased your body and purchased your spirit. Your spirit, of course, or the real you was born again, the Bible says, from death to life. And your body at that time was restored to healing and made whole so that God could live in your body. So one price paid for both, paid for your spirit and paid for your body. All right, go to Psalm 103. Okay, Psalm 103, look at verse, well, let's just start at verse 1. It's so darn good. We'll start there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who heals how many? All of thy diseases. Here he forgives all, how many? All of your sins. Now, does anybody that you know believe that God will forgive some of your sins and not other sins? Most people do not do that. They believe that God forgives all their sins. Do they believe that God forgives in his time? 
No, they don't believe that, do they? Do they believe that God puts sin on you to teach you something? That God puts sin on you to punish you and to discipline you? No, the Bible says he forgives all your sins. And how do we know he forgives all the sins? Is it because we feel like it when we confess our sins? No, it's because the word of God says that he forgives how many of our sins? All our sins. The word of God is always your evidence of anything that you're trying to walk in. It also says here he heals all, how many? All of your diseases. Yet some people in the church, even though they don't believe that for sin, they believe that God will heal you some sickness and some sickness he won't. Some believe that God will heal you in his time. Some believe God will put sickness on you to teach you, to discipline you, to punish you. But the Word of God says He heals all of your sicknesses. Now, how do we know that He heals all our sicknesses? Is it because we feel healed? No, it's because the Word of God says He heals all our sicknesses. So even though God forgives all, can a Christian live in guilt and condemnation their whole life? They can, can't they? Why is that? Because they don't know he forgives all their sins and they live by guilt and condemnation because they do not trust the word of God. Even though God has healed all, can a Christian live sick their whole life? Yes, yes they can. How? Because they have forgotten that he has healed all their diseases, do not believe it or do not even know that it was provided for. But here it says he did forgive all and he did heal all. How do we know that? Because the word of God tells us that he did that. Now, let's just do an example here. You've got a church service, and at the end, you do an altar call, and a new Christian comes up to the front, and he receives Jesus as his Lord and Savior at the altar, and at that time, he confesses him at Lord, and he's immediately born again, and his sins are wiped away, and at the same time, he was sick, and he got healed because he came and he got born again into the kingdom of God. As a, as a born-again believer for many years, that new Christian calls you the next day and says, you know, I, I just don't feel saved today. I've sinned a couple times, and I just don't feel that saved, and as a mature Christian, and you would say, oh yeah, you're saved. You just sinned. All you got to do is confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but you are still saved. You'll be fine. And the next day he calls you back and said, you know what? I confess my sin, but I sure don't feel like he forgave me. You know, I just can't understand. I just don't feel like it. And you would say as a mature Christian, well, don't worry about what you feel. We don't go by feelings. We go by what the Word says. And the Word says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, the same Christian calls you the next day and said, you know, I was healed three days ago when it took place, but I don't feel very good at all. I think I'm sick. And you would say, if you're a mature Christian... That you were healed, praise God. He healed you 2,000 years ago. So all you've got to do is resist that sickness disease, stand against that sickness disease, because by his stripes ye were healed 2,000 years ago. And the next day he calls and says, you know, I did what I told you to do, but let me tell you something, I don't really feel very good at all. I'm telling you right now, it's not getting any better for me. And you would say, that's okay, because we don't go by our feelings. We go by the word of the living God, and the word of God says, by his stripes ye were healed. Hallelujah. Now notice, both these were provided at the same time, at the same place, at the same cross. One price was paid, yet the church for many years has taught salvation. You're saved, you're born again, but they will not teach along with it healing that was done at the same time in the same place has been provided for every single person. So what do we do? We make up doctrines. Well, God just trying to teach you something. Well, God heals some, doesn't heal other people. It's all up to God, whatever he wants to do. But those doctrines have entered into the church to the point to where most people are walking in sickness and disease when they really have no right to walk into sickness and disease because it's already been provided on the cross of Calvary at the same time, the same blood paid for both, praise God. So he forgives all your, sick, your sins and he heals all your 
diseases, praise God. So what's our, what's our basis for that? It's the Word of God every single time. The Word of God is your basis for anything. Even if someone comes up and I'm running a prayer line and I'm praying for someone being healed and they come up and I lay hands on them and the power of God hits them and they feel the anointing of God and the pain leaves and they get all excited, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I will always ask them why they are healed. And most people will say, the pain is left, the pain is left. And how many know that's true? The pain is left. But if that's your basis for healing, what are you going to do tomorrow morning when the pain comes back? I'm sick. Why? The pain's back. Your evidence is not the pain being there or not. Your evidence is the word of God and what it says. And it says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that's my evidence, is it? If I'm going to come up and get prayed for healing, that's what I'm coming up for. When they lay hands on me, you know what? I don't care. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I don't care if I feel any better, if I look any better. I'm going to stay on the Word of God, and I'm going to walk on the Word of God. I'm not going to live by feelings, because if I do that, you're going to be up one day, down the next, sick one day, down guilty one day, feel free the next. So both were paid at the same place at the same time, and what we need to stay on is the Word of God. The Word of God is your evidence whether you're forgiven and whether you're healed every single time. A symptom is never the evidence whether you're healed or whether you're not. A guilty feeling is not the evidence of whether you've been forgiven or not. Stay what the Word of God says, and you need to walk on the Word of God at all times. Here it says, He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, and they were paid for with a price. Say a price. Amen. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 was a prophetic word that Isaiah could basically see be the cross taking place even though he wasn't there at that time, but he saw by the Spirit. And in Isaiah 53, verse 4, he says, Surely, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are so here you can see a prophetic look at the cross. Verse 4, the word there, griefs, is basically the word coli, which means sicknesses and diseases. So it says, surely Jesus has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Verse 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, chastised for our peace, and with his stripes we are healed. So here you can see at the cross... Total provision was made for you, spirit, soul, and body. Your three parts. You are a spirit, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. So spirit-wise, you were wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. He took care of your sin and iniquity problem. For soul, the chastisement for your peace. How many of you know peace is in your soul? It's in your mind. And body-wise, he borne your sicknesses, and with his stripes, you are healed. So to be born or to bear is to take punishment for another. To take punishment for another. So at the cross, Jesus took our punishment for sin. He took our punishment for sickness, disease, worry, fear, so that we could live totally free. People question all the time, is it God's will to heal all? Well, is it God's will to save all? It is, isn't it? Surely as He has borne our sins... 
he bare our sicknesses at the same time. He took the punishment for sin so we could leave, live sin-free and in righteousness. But he also took the punishment for our sickness so we could live sickness-free. Once again, one price for both. Also in Corinthians in a place it says that the preaching of the cross is to them that are saved the power of God. Why does it say that? Because if you've been born again and are taking advantage of the cross, when you preach what was done for you at the cross, it belongs to those who are saved, not those who are not saved. So the day I got saved, the day I came to the cross, the day I got born again, at that time, not only was I born again, not only was I made righteous, not only was I made holy, at that time I was also healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Jesus bore my sicknesses on the cross. Everyone who believes that he bear their sins, they can be born again and they can be forgiven. Well, everyone who believes that he bear their sicknesses can be healed and live in divine health. Hallelujah. And let me just say this. If you're listening to this tape or you're here tonight and you're dealing with sickness and disease in your life, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. In other words, everything in the kingdom of God is, is if a man plants a seed in the ground, goes to bed, gets up night and day, the seed grows up and it becomes and produces fruit. If you've not heard enough about healing, then all we're doing tonight is planting a seed of healing in you. Are you following me? Maybe you've heard a teaching before, and now this is the second seed. We're watering the thing now. But all this takes time to grow because up until this point, you never realized that healing belonged to you. You never realized that sickness was, was anti-Christian. You never realized that you had authority over it. So these are things that you're learning that are growing on the inside of you till you get to the point where you can use your authority and you can use your power and grow into it. But whatever you do, do not nurture the sickness that is in you. And most of the time you do that with your mouth. You want to tell everybody about the problems you're having, the sickness you have, what the doctor has says, how you feel, what you do. You don't need sympathy. You need the Word. Yes. And you need to stay on the Word. And you need to speak the Word. And you need to talk the Word. Just because how many know there's a seed growing in you all the time? And it all depends which seed you got growing. It makes a difference. So here it says, by His stripes we are, say are. Now notice, not going to be, we are healed. Why? Because we're bought with a price. So what do I want to do? I want to stay in these healing scriptures I'm giving you. I may read them and I may thank God for them. I thank God that I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Do you feel like it? What does that have to do with it? It's a stupid question because I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That's what Jesus said. He bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. What am I doing? Watering that seed that's on the inside. It was bought with a price and that price was already paid. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. All right, Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 17. Here we see Matthew quoting and translating the Isaiah scripture that we read. Chapter 8, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, of course, talking about Jesus, what did he do? He took our infirmities and he bare our sicknesses. Now, why did he bear our sicknesses? He bare our sicknesses so we wouldn't have to bear any sicknesses. That's what he came for. Jesus himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He bare our so that we didn't have to bear them. He bare our sins so that you wouldn't have to suffer the punishment from them. What was he doing? He was showing the fulfillment of what was spoken. 
And in verse 16, he went on and he healed all that were sick. Look at verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed of the devils, and he cast out the spirits was his word, and he healed how many? How many did he heal? All them that were sick. What was he doing? He was demonstrating the provision that was going to be available to the Christian when they got born again and moved into it, and all this was going to be provided at one time by one price on the cross. All right, go to First Peter chapter 2. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 24. Talking about Jesus again, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were what? Healed. Talking about Jesus, his own self, he bare our sins in his body on the tree. You preach that, and the Christians, yeah, praise God, amen. That's right, on the cross, he took it all. But then you go into, he bare our sicknesses and diseases in his body on the tree, and everybody wants to fuss and argue and complain and get mad. But at the same time, the same place, right here in the same scripture, people believe that he bare our sins, and we step into the miracle of the new birth, but they have trouble believing that at the same time, sickness was provided, for, or sickness was taken care of at the same time on the cross. He bare our sins. Why? Here it says, so we could be dead to sin and live in righteousness. Now, how many of you know this is going to have to take a soul transformation? I mean, even when you got born again, and you're probably in a denomination, that denomination was saying all the time, pray for us sinners. Now, the hour of our death, amen. How many know that you still were born again, but you thought you were a sinner yet? until you read the Bible and find out that he'd made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Now you had a battle going on. You're a sinner? No, I'm righteous. You're a sinner? No, I'm righteous. I sinned. I'm a sinner. No, I'm righteous, even though I did sin. So what are you doing? You're having a mind problem there coming again. So here he says you have to come to a place where you understand you are dead to sin so that you can live unto righteousness. Hallelujah. So he also bare our sicknesses so we could be dead to sickness and live unto health. So what is it when sickness disease comes around? I'm dead to it. Are you dead to sickness disease? Yep. Are you going to get the flu that's coming around? Can I'm dead to it. Sorry. Dead. Sin tempts you. How many know you got to resist it? Say, I'm dead to it. I'm dead to it. Why? Because I'm righteous. Why? Because I'm healed. Praise God. So people who never receive forgiveness of sins, how many know they die and go to hell? But how many know God's already provided for it? It's not his fault. He's not sending anybody there. It's the same way with, you know, most of the church living in sickness and disease. It's not God's fault that that's taking place. It's because of a lack of knowledge and because of ignorance, we don't understand that it's been provided for us and already taken care of. Here it says, now notice the last verse. By whose stripes you will be healed, might be healed, you could possibly be healed. No, you were. How many know that's past tense? So were is past tense, so that means if I were, then I am, praise God. I am healed. How many of you have been saved again since you were saved? None of you have you. You may ascend and felt like you weren't saved, but when you got saved, you were saved, praise God. Jesus paid for it by the blood. But then again, how many Christians have to be healed again, even though they were healed at one time? Why is that? Because the pain comes. The pain comes to bring you into disagreement with the Word. That's what it comes for. It comes to you to say, oh, yeah, I'm here. oh, here it comes. I'm, I'm sick. Yeah, I feel oh, terrible, my God, and everybody's getting it, and everybody's got it, and we're going to all get it. And what's it trying to do? Get you out of agreement. You must stay in agreement with the Word of God in order to walk in the Word of God. How can two walk together unless they be? Agreed. 
and I'd rather walk with God than walk with the alternative. So what does sickness come? How many know sin still comes as a temptation even though you're born again? It just doesn't, not out there anywhere, praise God. No, it comes and you have to resist it. What do I have to do when a symptom comes? I have to resist it, praise God. People say, well, I think it's a lie to be attacked with a symptom and claim to be healed. Well, is it a lie to be tempted to sin and claim to be saved? See? It's the same thing. If they're the same thing, you've got to compare the two with each other. No, what do we do? We resist a temptation to sin. When that thought comes, we don't do that. When we're supposed to speak that, the Holy Ghost is there. Well, we do the same. For the same thing was paid for our body and our spirit. We resist symptoms, sickness, and disease in our life, and we use the authority that we have over it. All right, go to James chapter 5. This tonight could save you quite a bit of pain sometime in the next two months if you get a hold of it. James chapter 5, look at verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, this is pretty interesting. He says, is there any sick among you? Now, we wouldn't have to ask that in this day, would we? Because we know there's people sick among us. Come on. He had to say, is there, is there any sick among you? We don't have to do that anymore. We say, who's sick among you, basically, is what we do. Why? Because the thinking has changed, hasn't it, from the early church. So is any sick among you? Then take the prayer of faith. What are we going to do? We're going to bring them up. It's going to save the sick, make them whole, raise them up, and notice it takes care of both. Their sins at the same time will be forgiven. So, but notice what it says. You have to pray the prayer of what? Faith. Prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is a faith or a, a prayer that's prayed. And when it's prayed, you believe you have received when you prayed. Amen. In other words, if you come up and, and this is why you got to be careful when people want you to pray for them, because some people want to get up and don't understand that their dependence on the word is the key, not the dependence on whether the pain goes away. So the question is, I mean, are they going to be dependent that if you lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith, are they going to stay in faith then? Or are they going to say, well, thanks for the prayer, but nothing happened. I'm still sick. I'm still hurt. I'm still, well, what's their evidence? Their evidence isn't the word, is it? Because the word already said he was going to raise them up if they just had the prayer of faith. So when I pray the prayer of faith, I stay in faith for that person. If they do, we're going to have a pretty good time. If they don't, it's not going to work. Are you following me? It's a two-man thing again. Or you can't pray and, and I command this mold to leave. And you're looking at it and saying, well, I tried, but that sure didn't work. Well, you're wasting your time too at the same time. Either believe what the Word of God says or don't. And if you're not ready to believe it, don't lay hands on people because you're just talking yourself out of it working. So you want, you want it to work. You know, the more it works, the more you think it's going to worketh. But if you lay hands on a thousand people and nothing happens, how many know you're just going to give up before it's over with? But no, we're going to stay on the Word. So somebody wants prayer, and I say, when I lay hands on you, are you going to be healed? Well, I might be. How many know I won't do it? I'll say, well, that's good. That's good. But go home and read the Word a little bit more. Study the Word a little bit more. Come to a place where you understand it. When they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Then you come back, and we'll do it. I mean, people, you read about the old healing people, a lot of them did this. They'd ask people when they came up, when I lay hands, are you going to be healed? Probably not. Go sit down, you know, over there someplace. Come on. Stay under the Word in two or three more meetings. You see, see, failure doesn't help anybody. 
Somebody's had their hand laid on them so much that it's rubbed all the hair off their head and they still haven't got healed, are not going to be able to receive so easy the next time it comes along. So we want it to work. We want it to work in our lives, and you've got to know what it says. So I'm going to pray for the sick, and what am I going to do when I lay hands and anoint with oil? You're healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Now it's out of my ballpark. Now it's in your ballpark. You can either say, thank God I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Notice, when people come down to get saved and they come to the altar and they're crying and we pray the prayer with them and afterwards, yeah, new life is coming to the kingdom of God. You didn't see him change into a new creature. You didn't see his sins get washed away. But he's born again. He confessed that nothing's happened, but we believe the word. Amen. Somebody comes up and get healed. You lay hands on them and they go back just the way they did. Well, they didn't get nothing. They're still doing just as bad as they did when they came. Why don't we say, hey, hallelujah, they're healed, praise God. Because we want to believe the word on one end, but we don't want to believe the word on the other end because we haven't been taught to believe the word on the other end. But it's just the same, the same time, the same place, the same everything, praise God, it was provided. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's good stuff tonight, I'm telling you what. First Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 24, talking about Jesus. And when he had given thanks, he break it, talking about the bread. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, the cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and Drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body." For this cause, many are weak, many are sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'll tell you what, I was in a church that did communion all the time, and I was doing communion six days a week at one time, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was doing it because you were supposed to do it, because that's what we did. We did it. What, what are you doing it for? Everybody does it. What are you doing it for? Because everybody does it. That's what we do. We do it. What are you doing it for? Because everybody does it, because we do it. I had no idea what was going on. But notice what it says here. This is talking about the Lord's Supper. It's a remembrance of the cross, of his death, of his covenant. The Lord's death, we remember, the Lord's death, things were provided for one price. Your spirit and your body were taken care of. Look at verse 29. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So why would somebody eat unworthily? Because they do not discern the Lord's body. The word basically discern here is to underestimate. So he's talking about someone who's taking communion, but they're underestimating the Lord's body or the bread that they're eating. The Corinthians were eating the Lord's body unworthily. Why? Because they were underestimating its value. The results was damnation. This word actually means condemnation. So since they were doing it, many are sick, many are weak, and many had even died. What was the problem? They were taking communion and not discerning what the Lord's broken body meant. Now, we know the cup of salvation. What did that mean? What was that for? That was for our salvation, wasn't it? The blood was for our salvation. What was the breaking of his body for? So that your body could be 
healed. Are you following me? The blood for provided salvation, the broken body so your body could be healed. He bare our sins. We, we discern that with the cup. But he also bare our sicknesses that we discern when we take the body or the bread. Basically, what's it saying? Two things took place once again. And you're remembering, not only am I saved, but I am also healed because of the broken body that was taking place. And you've got people basically who come to you from other churches and say, I don't care what you say. I know he provided salvation, but I don't believe he, he provided healing for my body. Then just do the cup. Don't do the body broken if, if you don't even know what it means. Don't do the bread. Just do the cup. Why? Because the cup provided for your salvation. If you don't believe the other, then don't do the other. Are you following me? But no, he says, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, remember this. There is a double cure that took place at the cross at the same time. Not only did I take care of you spiritually and get you born again and righteous, but I also healed your body and gave you divine health at the same time. All right, go to Mark chapter 2. Symptom comes on. What are you going to do? I'm going to get the bread out even. I'm going to get a little, me a little bit of Kool-Aid or orange juice or something. And praise God, I'm going to renew my salvation and renew my healing. Praise God. Hallelujah. By his stripes I've been healed and I'm saved as ever was saved. Glory to God. All right, Mark chapter 2, look at verse 9. Jesus says, Which is easier to say to a sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. Now, this will be enough to confuse you for about 14 years. Notice, he's got this guy who's sick, and Jesus looks at him and says, Your sins are forgiven. And the guy's thinking, I didn't come here for forgiveness of sins. I came here to get healed. But what was Jesus doing? He was demonstrating that the healing of the body coincided with the forgiveness of sins. It's as easy to say one or the other because they were both provided for at the same time at the same place. People say, well, maybe it's not God's will to save you. Well, how many of you know basically that everybody knows it's God's will to save you? People say God saves some, he doesn't save others. How many of you know it's up to the person whether they get saved or not? It's already been provided. It's the same way with healing. Does God want to heal all? Yes. He did 2,000 years ago. He provided for you. He provided the anointing for you. He provided authority for you. He provided peace for you. He provided joy for you. He provided all these things for you. It's up to you whether you partake of what he provided for you, not a question of whether God's going to do it for you again. See, it's already been provided. This is what keeps God free, if there is such a thing like that, because you can't argue with God whether he wants to do this or wants to do that, because he already did it. Now, if it was up to God, how many know you could get mad at God? Well, you healed Sister Susie. She's only been coming to church two weeks. I've been here every Wednesday, every Sunday. I do the bingo machine. I do everything else. And you haven't healed me one time. But praise God, she got healed. That's not fair. How many know that wouldn't be fair? But it's not fair because it's not because he's a respecter of persons. It's because somebody received what was being given to them. And most of the time, the other one's trying to earn. Why should you be healed? Because I'm the best person in the church. I sing and I do everything that I'm supposed to do and God should heal me. No, God already healed you and you receive it not because you did anything. Why did he save you? Because you got so good? No, he saved you when you weren't good at all. 
Well, he'll heal you when you're not good at all either if you'll just believe that healing has been provided for you, praise God. But we want to get over into, what can I do to get God to heal me? What can I do? Uh, pour my medicine down the sink. Maybe that'll impress God. No, you'll be buying more medicine. See? That's not the way it works, praise God. It's freely provided for you, and you receive it simply by faith. And many times, Thanksgiving is the most powerful tool that you have. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. All right, Matthew 9, look at verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now notice, the first thing he says is, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yeah. But now notice who it was up to. It was according to their faith, if they would receive it or not. Why? Because healing was already provided for them. Jesus already was going to provide it, and they were getting it on loan. Notice, not according to the provision they had. People testify about sickness. I'm so sick. I feel so bad. The doctor said this, and everybody in the church says, oh, come on, we've got to pray for them, da, da, da. But if they were the same, basically the same to God, have you ever heard anybody get up and say, you know, I committed adultery this week. I went out and I sinned all over the place. I cussed out my wife. I kicked my dog. I did everything. No, but nobody ever gets up and says anything about that. Well, is that because you know it's not a good thing to do? <laughs> come on, is it? What did you do this week? Well, I cussed him out and I kicked the dog and I had four sets adultery and I did everything else. You never hear anybody get up and do that because you know it's wrong. So you're going to confess your sins and get rid of that stuff and do it. But yet we'll get up and we'll proclaim sickness and have no problem with it and nobody will feel bad about it or anything else. See, if, if sickness has been provided by the blood and by the body and salvation has been provided, then we should put them both in the same category. Both of them the same. Or if you want to testify, testify in the middle of your sickness how good you're doing. No, I woke up two weeks ago, didn't feel good, but bless God, I know I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, glory to God, hallelujah. It's like that one old lady, I'll never forget it, in that service I was doing in the Catholic prayer meeting, we were doing a healing service, people getting healed right and left, and this little old lady walks up there and gets behind and wants to testify. I said, testify, honey. She goes, I just want to thank God for healing me. He's so wonderful. She started walking away. I thought, sit down and shut up until you get healed. And the Holy Ghost said, hey, at least she's in faith. And I said, oh, Jesus, did I, man, oh, man. See, she was walking by faith. I wasn't. I was walking by the, basically. And I said, until you get healed, well, how many of you know you don't need faith if you're already healed? Time you need faith is in the midst of the battle. That's when you need to be claiming the healing. And I'll never forget. I thought, man, oh, man, the Holy Ghost got me right then. Say, hey, man, you better wake up. You're going to do this stuff. You better change over to that. So what's happening in the midst of it? They were believing. So what you believe here is very important. I believe I'm sick. How many know you're going to live sick? I believe everybody gets sick. How many know you're going to get sick? Pain not too much for me to suffer for Jesus. I've heard that so many times. How many know Jesus don't need any help? And it's not a competition. You're never going to catch his suffering that he did for you. God heals some, not others. No, that's not true. So I want to believe I never get sick. 
I want to believe that sickness and disease always goes around my house. I want to believe that no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. I want to believe that I walk. I don't sin, praise God. Well, everybody falls sometime. Yeah, well, you're going to be one of them. See, you're going to get what you believe, praise God. So why not believe the Word? The, the Word says that sin shall not have dominion over you. So sin's not going to have dominion over me. It says that I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. So we've seen here a double cure. Salvation has been provided. You receive it simply by believing it. And also healing has been provided. And you receive that according to your faith. All right, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And for some reason, if you want to go out and you really want to have success healing people, find people who aren't saved. Find people who don't know nothing. Because they'll come up for healing and you'll pray for them and they'll, they won't feel the pain anymore and, and they'll get delivered of it and they'll believe they're healed and they'll go. But they haven't grown enough to where there's any place for them to act like an adult. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, they don't know they're supposed to believe the Word. Their pain just went away and they're healed, praise God. And God healed them. But now God expects them to go back and find in the Word what healing's all about, that it belongs to them, that they stand for it, they do everything. He expects them to grow up so that they can grow up and stand for themselves. So you've been in the church for 30 years and you're still battling with a sinus problem every now and then. What do you need to do? You need to finally stand and overcome that thing and grow up a little bit and then stand again and stand more. God expects you and we are expected to grow up into a place, not stay in the same place all the time and get prayed for. He wants you to do the praying for other people sooner or later. See, now you be the one who gets prayed for all the time. You're the one who gets help all the while. You're the one who's, everybody's comforting all the time. That's good at the beginning, but it's time to grow up after a while. And then God will use you. And I'll tell you, it's more fun being used than battling that stuff all the time and living like a little baby, praise God. All right, once again, 1 Corinthians 6, we've been there before, look at 19. What? Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are who? So now I want to glorify God in my spirit. How am I going to do that? Well, the Bible says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. The Bible says that you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us to build ourselves up praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice, all these things are up to you, things that you can do to glorify God in your spirit. How do I glorify God in my body? I present my body to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, when was your body made holy? After 30 years of church or the day you got born again and Jesus paid for it? The day you got born again. So I'm going to start claiming holiness. I'm going to keep sickness out of my body. I'm going to keep sin away from my body. I'm going to walk purely before God. You are now God's property. Say, I am, I am. God's, property. God's property. Here it says you were bought with a price. One price, that word bought there means I buy, I redeem, or I buy back. In other words, God bought all of mankind back, gave him an opportunity to come into the kingdom of God when he went to the cross, and he provided for you and redeemed you. He has bought you back. All right, go to Acts chapter 20. All right, Acts chapter 20, look at verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer to feed the church of God which he has purchased, redeemed, or bought back with his own what? Blood. 
blood. Now we know what paid for us, wasn't it? It was the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus had to come because no one else in the earth at that time had blood that was not tainted with sin and everything else because mankind was fallen man at that time. So a man had to come who had pure blood who would come and suffer and die on the cross to provide redemption for each and every one of us. All right, go to Revelations chapter 5. Used to always sing them, so what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's right, nothing, nothing but the blood, praise God. All right, Revelations chapter 5. Look at verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, don't matter, every tongue makes no difference, every people and every nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign where? On the earth. So notice this was a worship service going on in heaven. Every kind of people was there. They were saying that Jesus was worthy to open the book. He was worthy because he was slain, and he redeemed us to God by his blood. Notice redeemed once a man again is the same as bought back. Who redeemed us or bought us for God? Jesus did. What price was paid for our redemption? The blood. What did the blood pay for? Our spirit and our body. Blood not only shed for our spirit, but also for our body at the same time. You've heard people say that the flesh or the, the body's no good, it's terrible, it just can't do anything, right? But notice, He has redeemed your body. You were bought with a price. The Lamb has been slain. Blood was shed, not going to be. He has redeemed you, and your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. What does the devil do? He's a thief. He tries to trespass on God's property. He tries to get in your body, get in your soul, which are God's. Now, when sin comes to tempt you, is it God's responsibility to resist it? It's not, is it? God won't resist it. It's entirely up to you. Well, how about when symptom comes against you? Is it God's responsibility to do it? No. Why can I do it? Because my body was redeemed, bought by the blood, and my spirit was redeemed, bought by the blood. The symptom comes to attack your body, which was bought. Praise God if you say, well, I'm getting sick. I'm coming down with something. How many of you know it? It's not going to work. But you hear people do that all the time. But you never hear people say, I believe I'm coming down with adultery. I believe I'm coming down with another sin. Have you ever heard a Christian say that? No, you don't say that, do you? You're smart enough to resist that when it comes. And even if you screw up, you don't tell anybody about it. But the other one, oh, we're going to get it. I can feel it coming. Why is that? Because once again, we've separated the two. We've made one provided for us and the other one up to God. If we're going to live healed, it's totally up to God. No, we resist sin when it comes. Why? Because I'm dead to sin and I live under righteousness. I'm going to resist sickness. Why? Because I'm dead to sickness and I'm alive to God and alive to healing. Praise God. How about this? Have you ever seen somebody who's sick and you come up and try to hug them? They say, don't, don't get close to me. Don't get close to me. You'll catch it. Well, how about somebody that just sinned and you come up to them and they say, don't get close to me. I just sinned. I just sinned. Stay away from me. Stay way away from me. See? But we separate them again, don't we? See? I sinned. I don't care. Give me a big hug. I'm, I did everything wrong this week. But if they got a little sniffle, stay away from me because they don't understand. The two are the same. They were paid for at the same time. You've been redeemed from both, and both were paid for by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 1.
All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 18. Are you there? Verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold for your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in who? God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the Word of God who lives and abides how long? Forever. So here he says, you need to know, you need to know this, that you were redeemed spirit and body. How? By the precious blood of a spotless lamb by the name of Jesus Christ. The result is your spirit, or you were born again, and your body was healed. Now notice the key in verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So how does our soul get purified? It gets purified when we obey the truth. You can know the truth will not help you unless you obey the truth. So when a symptom comes and hits my body, I can either say I'm sick and God do what you can and help me and go to the doctor and get everything done and there's nothing wrong with that if God's got, or the doctor's got the remedy for it. But I'm going to obey the truth. So when a symptom hits my body, I'm going to resist that because I'm dead to sin and sickness, and I'm alive to God. I'm going to act on what the Word of God tells me that I can do and the authority that I have. The more I do that, the more my mind lines up with, hey, you're healed, you're delivered, you don't sin anymore, you don't do this anymore. That's not who we are. That's not who we've become. We're a new creation. And pretty soon you'll come to a place where your spirit already knows that, but your soul will agree with your spirit and you'll be able to take care of your physical body at the same time. Now, if you lose the battle of the soul, then it's your soul and body against your spirit, and you'll lose every single time. That's why God bought your spirit. He bought your body, but soul's up for grabs. Your mind, what you think, what you imagine, what you believe, that's up for grabs. And that's why the Word of God is so important in your life. Because I don't care how long or how many sermons you've been to, if you don't spend time in the book and let the Spirit of God purify your soul... Do the work in your soul. How many know when you start to get mad at somebody and you act on the Word of God and you forgive them right away, how many know that's obeying the truth? How many know your soul don't like that at first? It's not saying, oh yeah, forgive them. Sure, they stabbed you in the back. Don't worry about that feeling where you want to kill them. Don't worry about it. No, no. No, your soul, your soul's telling you exactly what it wants you to do. But I'm going to obey anyway. I'm going to pray for them. And what am I doing? I'm slowly purifying that soul that has been taught over all these years of how to respond in those situations to a place where my soul is then purified to a place where I can walk in it. There's going to come a day where Christians don't even think about sinning anymore, don't think about getting sick anymore, don't think about laying their hands on somebody and I'm not getting healed. Don't think about any of this stuff. Simply do what the Word says and obey what it tells you to do. The Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul. Now notice, not as your body prospers, as your, soul. as your soul prospers. So the body's not the problem, is it? 
It's not as your body, but it's as your soul prospers. How's my soul going to prosper? I'm going to obey the word of God and every single truth I find out here, I am going to act on that truth. I'm going to obey that truth. I'm going to believe that truth. And people come up to me all the time and I said, I don't care what you say, pastor. I will believe I'm healed when the pain goes. No, believe you're healed and the pain will go. It's the other way around. Faith comes first. Deliverance comes second. Everybody wants it. I mean, after your pain goes, sure you'll believe you're healed. I mean, if you have a pain in your body, why would anybody believe they're sick? It doesn't work that way. So I'm going to believe. What am I, even if I'm having trouble with sin, I'm going to believe I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And sin has no dominion over me. And the more that I believe that, the easier it will be for me to fight against that when it comes into my life. Hallelujah. So have you ever heard anybody say, I believe, I'll believe I'm saved when I feel saved? It don't work that way, does it? You get saved, and then you clean up your act. You don't clean up your act, then get saved. It doesn't work that way. So the faith comes first. So I believe that I'm healed. Why are you healed? By the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have been redeemed, praise God. And since I'm healed, then sickness and disease has no right to be in my physical body. All right, let's jump ahead to Leviticus 14. This is something very interesting. It's in the Old Testament, yet it was a way that God provided lepers to get healed. Even though Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, even though he had paid the price, he put in the law a safeguard to help people with leprosy. Leviticus 14, look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest." All right, look at verse 3. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look and behold if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. In other words, check, see if the guy has leprosy. Then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, two birds alive and clean, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Now notice, two birds alive. How many know the bird he's talking about here would be the Lord Jesus Christ? He wants them clean. How many know he was clean? What do you think the cedar wood might represent? Thank you. The cross. Hallelujah. Scarlet, blood, and hyssop is representative for faith. So he's got all these things involved. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. How many know that was Jesus in a physical body was killed on the cross? Verse 6. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and he shall let the living bird go. All right, so he takes the bird, he kills the one bird, the other bird that's raised has the blood and everything on it. That would be Jesus at the resurrection who provided for the blood. He takes that blood on the leper and he sprinkles it on him seven times on the leper. And then not what, what, what he does. He pronounces, say pronounces. pronounces. So he sprinkles the blood on and pronounces his leper is healed, praise God. Why? Because of the little bird blood that they put on him at that time. Now, how many know if you envision this and you use your imagination, all you see standing there at the end is a leper with blood all over him. Also, he's still a leper. He's got all this bird blood all over him. You stand there like that. But the pronouncement is made that he is healed. Why? Because there's more faith in the bird blood on the guy than there is the leprosy on the guy. Are you following me? 
Now here it's, it's demonstrating the power of obeying God with bird blood. Now we've got better than bird blood. We've got God blood. So you have the blood applied to you when sexless disease comes to you. You have a right to proclaim yourself healed, not because of how you feel, but because of the blood that has been provided for you. Well, I just believe I'm sick when I have a symptom. That's because you've got more faith in the symptom than you do the blood. But if you have more faith in the blood, you do the symptom, you'll claim the blood every single time, praise God. And what will happen? It'll, it'll happen. See, people believe the doctor's report more than they believe in the blood. But the blood is what provided all these things for you and have made you clean. But how many of you know you're going to have to pronounce it yourself or find somebody who hopefully pronounces it for you? See, that's why you need to find somebody who understands this stuff because they will proclaim you healed at the same time you proclaim you healed without arguing. Don't go to your relation. Well, the doctor says, I've been diagnosed with this, but I just want you to know I'm healed. Well, you might as well forget that. You're going to lose that, bless God. They're going to tell you how stupid you are, how dumb you are. What are you thinking about? Are you an idiot? What's the matter with you? What's going on? And before long, you're going to be all mixed up. Find somebody who's on your side. Find somebody who's going to stick with you, praise God. All right, go to Galatians chapter 3. Got to hurry. All right, Galatians chapter 3, pretty familiar scripture. Look at verse 13. It says that Christ has, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree. Why did he do that? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. So the cross basically was the place of exchange in your life. Christ was made sin you were made righteous. Christ was made poor, you were made rich. Christ was made sick, you were made healed. Christ was made the curse, you were redeemed. Christ went to hell so you could go to heaven. Hallelujah. It was a place of exchange. Jesus took care of everything that was wrong with you and then gave you everything that he had that was right with you. He has redeemed you from sin, from sickness, and from all those things. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. Now, the trick with preaching redemption is pretty easy. Everybody believes it when you preach it that they're redeemed. But as soon as something comes against their redemption, they sort of forget that they're redeemed. Have you ever known anything in the Spirit until the attack came? Then all once you forgot about everything that you knew? Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 12. Thank God, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood, He entered in how many times? Once into the holy place, having obtained what? eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling to the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience or your soul or your mind from dead works to serve the living God? Here it says, we were redeemed by His blood. He entered in and provided that blood how many times? One time. How many know one time was enough? 
That paid for your spirit. It paid for your body. But notice what it is. It is a eternal, say eternal, eternal redemption. So you are redeemed when? Eternally from the day that you got born again. It's an eternal defeat of the sickness, eternal defeat of the devil, eternal defeat of the curse. It's all been provided for you, not by bulls and goats, but basically by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ has given you an eternal, eternal redemption. All right, we've got time for just one more. Let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's go to Psalm 107. That, was, that might have been beyond Mo because there's four of them. Whoever Mo's brother is, that's who this was. This is a good finisher anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, Psalm 107, look at verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. How many of you know he is good? And his mercy endures how long? So let the redeemed of the Lord... For he has redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Glory to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's why I like doing that one song where it says, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Well, I'm trying to teach you, you're redeemed, praise God. Not just when there is no attack, but there's going to be attacks. You are redeemed. So what am I going to do? I'm going to think I'm redeemed. I'm going to talk I'm redeemed. I'm going to say I'm redeemed. I'm going to tell others I'm redeemed. I'm not going to talk about sickness, disease. I'm not going to talk about losing. I'm not going to talk about worry. I'm not going to talk about fear. I'm not going to let them things in my life because I have redeemed from those things and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, talk it, praise God, because it's important that you talk it out your mouth. Hallelujah. Say, I am healed. I am blessed. I am righteous. Say, I am holy. Say, I am anointed. Say, I am powerful. Say, I am a priest. Say, I am a king. Say, by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, Not because of what I've done. Not because of what what I will do. Freely provided provided at the cross cross, by the blood. blood. My spirit spirit belongs to Him. My body body belongs to Him. I choose choose to obey the Word, purify my soul, so that I can live as a kingdom person. Righteousness, Righteousness, peace, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is my lifestyle. Now and forever. forever. All right, give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Praise God.